Well, we are in a series titled Unstoppable, and we're in the book of Acts. And we are talking about some good things. Well, today, we're going to, I wonder, have you ever, have you ever seen this, uh, this icon? Have you ever seen this? I don't know if, uh, I don't know if you have, I think, how many of you have seen that, that icon? You know what that, okay. How many of you, who, if you're going to be honest, if you're going to be honest, how many of you have it on one of your mobile devices? All right, and so I'm going to assume by that that maybe you use Instagram from time to time. Now, I'm not here to promote Instagram or not promote Instagram, but it is fascinating. About, I think, there's about a, a billion a billion users of Instagram during the course of a month, so it's a, it's, a, it's a big deal. And in fact, there's about a 50-50 split between men and women that use it. It's, it's just within small percentage, percentages where the lines of demarcation are between men and women. Interestingly, the demographics of this, 71% of U.S. adults ages 18 to 29 use Instagram. So you can see there's about three-quarters of the population are under 30. This is really a, a great a, a for, a way to stay connected through social media. 72% of teenagers use Instagram. So... Facebook, not as much, but you can see that Instagram is popular. Then there's, the matter, then there's the matter of Instagram influencers. Instagram influencers. The number one, this, this blew my mind, okay? In January of this year, January 2021, the number one influencer in the world was Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo is a, he's a, he's a, he's a soccer dude, so whatever. Whatever. I'm not much of a soccer guy, and I'm actually inaccurate in saying that. He's a football guy. Sorry, there's one kind of football, and guys put on helmets and pads and hit each other. That's what football is. Can I get a good amen on that? Thank you. Okay. Anyway, in January this year, Ronaldo, get this, Ronaldo in January had 290 million followers. As of today, he has 359 million followers. I can't, I can't even conceive of that. Now, influencers, it's kind of an interesting phenomenon. And I think in some respects, the way influencer is used in this context is somewhat new. But I think we all kind of understand to a degree what influence is. But I don't necessarily go to social media to be influenced by anything, to be honest. Maybe, maybe you do, and that's fine. It's neither here nor there. And what Ronaldo does, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not here to judge that at all. But what I am here to talk about is influence. Again, I don't necessarily look to social media for influence, but like you, I've been influenced by people over the years. There are people that have very significantly spoken into my life and influenced me. One of them, is, her name is Patricia Thomason. Patricia Thomason was my high school speech teacher. Now, that doesn't sound like much, but she influenced me to do something with the ability to speak in ways that I never would have considered. She challenged me. She pushed me. And I am today forever grateful to Ms. Thomason for what she, how she influenced my life because it really helped shape my vocation. Another person who influenced me was Richard Dresselhaus. I, by integrity, character, great leadership, so many different things, so many qualities of this man's life 
I had the privilege of being a part of his team and having the opportunity to learn from him and be influenced by him for eight years. And he will forever be, now only eight years of my life, but he will forever be my pastor, forever. Just because of how he, he so impacted my life. And there's one more, and his name was Silas Jones. That was my dad. Had a great influence on my life. A man of character and prayer and love and faith. And he was kind of the pastor's pastor. He just loved people. These are individuals who influenced me for good. They influenced me for good. And all of us have someone in our life that has influenced us for good. I wonder, how might we influence others for good? To me, that's a significant question. How might we influence others for good? And before you go down the road, you say, well, Gary, I don't know that I, don't know that I can influence anybody for good. I'm just not sure that I have any influence. Well, that's, that's absolutely untrue. You have opportunities abundant to influence someone every day, every day. So we're going to talk about that this morning from the book of Acts. And one of the things that I want you to, to kind of grab onto, the title of our series has been Unstoppable, okay, Unstoppable. And with that being said, there's something about the idea of the unstoppable nature of the church. The reason that it's unstoppable is because influence has continued down through generation after generation after generation. Others have influenced, someone has influenced this individual for good, and there in turn that person has influenced someone else, and you can just continue to roll those dominoes now over 2100, 21 centuries of time. And so, with that in mind, we are going to take a look at a story of the Apostle Paul and his traveling companions. Now, these guys were on a journey. They were taking their second lap around the Mediterranean Sea, which we, know, we would call a, second, a missionary journey. And you'll notice that at the very top of this map, there's a little town called Philippi. It's the far north part. In fact, this is when the gospel went into Europe. This is Philippi. And you might recognize that word if you're familiar with the New Testament. There was a letter written to the Philippians later on by the Apostle Paul. Paul loved this congregation of people. He, it, some have said that it was his favorite congregation. Now, I personally, no, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what many say. So this is where this story takes place. And we're in Acts chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with us. Acts chapter 16. And we are going to look at this passage. It's going to be on the screens for you. But it's a really fascinating story. Because you meet three very unique individuals. You find some very supernatural events that happen within this. And just the story itself reinforces the fact of influence for good. So let's take a look at it if we would. The first thought this morning, oh, before we do that, let's pray. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for today. I pray that you'll open our hearts to your word. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen. All right. The first thought is that influence for good makes the most of opportunities. Influence for good makes the most of opportunities. Acts chapter 16, verse 11. All right. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight through Samothrace. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, a leading city in the district of Macedonia. 
and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listings was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into our home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. Well, here's where, here we witness the first of numerous, numerous encounters of Paul and his traveling companions in Macedonia. Now, I'm just going to rewind just real quick. If you go back in Acts chapter 16, if you were here last week, you heard Ray talk about the fact that the Holy Spirit had prevented Paul and his traveling companions from going certain places. Well, as you continue to read that story, here's what happens. Paul had a vision, said, come over and share the gospel in Macedonia. And so Paul said, okay, well, God's closed the doors here, but he's pointing us to Macedonia. That's where they are. They find themselves in Philippi, a very, a very important city. It was a Roman colony. What that means was it looked a lot like kind of little Rome, as it were. It had an amphitheater, had wonderful buildings. And the people were governed under Roman law. So there was a, a sense of, it was very Roman. It was very Roman. So into this environment, Paul and his traveling companions come, and they would normally, as would be their pattern, they would go to the Jewish synagogue to begin their process of talking about Christ. And, because those in the synagogue would at least have a remedial understanding of the good news. They would kind of get it. So that's where Paul would start. But they didn't go there, did they? They went to the river. The reason they went to the river is because it takes 10 men, 10 Jewish men, to start a synagogue. So in Philippi, there weren't enough Jewish men to start a synagogue. But you'll notice that the text says, when they went to the river, they expected to find some people who would be praying. What was that all about? Well, the custom would be that if you didn't have a synagogue, you would meet near water. The Jews would meet near water. Why? Because they had cleansing rituals that they wanted to be close to some kind of water to continue in their worship. So that's where they went. And when they got there, they found a group of women who had gathered together to pray. And this one lady specifically, whose name was Lydia. Lydia. And her name would actually be probably Lady Lydia. Lydia may not necessarily be her given name because she was a dealer in what? Purple cloth from a place called Thyatira. Now Thyatira, now this is a lot of history, so but it all makes sense. So hang on, all right? You with me? All right, got six of you. So the rest of you, come on along. Come along. So <laughs> anyway, so there were a bunch of trade guilds, the trade guilds in Thyatira. She was probably a part of one of those trade guilds, therefore called, her title was Lady Lydia from Thyatira. So it was more of a title than it was maybe even a given name. Regardless, when Paul shares the good news of Jesus, what happens? Lydia responds. Now, there's a couple of things that are really important about this. She's a very prominent woman. She's a businesswoman. She is important. She has got a group of people around her, and Paul, by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, influences, hear me, influences her for good. But it doesn't stop there. She influences others for good because her entire household was baptized and, became, and followed Christ. You see, even though they came into a city where there was no Jewish presence necessarily, Paul made the most of an opportunity. They went to the river, and they began to share the good news. In other words, the things that were available to them, 
they used so that Jesus could be preached. And I would challenge all of us this morning, every one of us in this room, have opportunities to influence for good. But the question is, do we, do we look for them? Or do we just walk right on by? If I'm, if I'm thirsty, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find some way to get a drink of water. In other words, and if I pass up, oh, I just passed up that opportunity. I wouldn't do that because it's so, it's so necessary to me. And the gospel should be so much like that within our lives. In fact, Paul would say to another church, he would write a letter to the church in Ephesus, and he would say something so very profound. He says, make good use of every opportunity. And here's a phrase for you to just hang on to. Great things often have humble beginnings. You see, you could, Paul, you could look at what happens at this river and say, well, it just seems so inconsequential. You could walk into the environment and Paul say, oh, man, there's just a few women here. Where are the guys? Say, I'm not going to spend my time with that. And go on. No. There was a church that, were, that was birthed in Philippi because Paul made the most of an opportunity. And it influenced a woman for good, who there in turn influenced her entire household for good. And today, generations later, there's a legacy of faith in Philippi. The second, the second is that influence for good engages life's chaos. In, influence for good engages life's chaos. Boy, could I talk about chaos for a while. Has anybody had any chaos this week? All right, thank goodness for some honest people in the house this morning. I'm telling you, chaos is everywhere. Just keep reading the news and you'll get more chaos than you'll ever want. It's everywhere. Listen to what, listen to what happens, okay? Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Once when we were going to the place where, so they're on their way back to the river. We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. Oh, that sounds pretty promising, doesn't it? <coughs> she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul was so annoyed that he turned around and said to, her, said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. Now, what is really interesting about this? This this girl's a slave girl. Now, let me let me define chaos for you. Chaos is a state of utter confusion or disorder, a total lack of organization or order. Now, this this girl was living in that state. That's where her residence was. She was in a state of chaos. She didn't understand. She was a slave. She didn't even belong to herself. She was owned by someone else. She was exploited by someone else. She was. All of that and more. She had, her identity had been just destroyed. And to add to that, she was possessed by a demon. This girl's a mess. There is chaos. There is no other way to define it but chaos in this girl's life. And she's following Paul and the traveling companions around, shouting something you'd think would get Paul all excited. These, listen to these men. They know the way to be saved. And Paul's finally got so annoyed, and that's maybe a really bad 
use of a, of a, it's a, not a bad translation, but it is an unfortunate translation. Probably a better translation of the word in Greek would be grieved. He was grieved in his spirit. And you say, but Gary, it doesn't make much sense. She's saying something that's true. That is absolutely right. But here's what we need to understand. Paul said, no way is the adversary, the enemy, going to try and take credit for something that only credit can go to God to express. Therefore, we will not let this demonic spirit have any more words to say, regardless. Not going to give any credibility to this whatsoever. Not going to set her in a position of even greater, quote-unquote, position of authority. No, it's not going to happen. So he spoke against this spirit, and this girl was delivered. It's a powerful, it's a powerful uh, vision, a, a powerful thing to observe. To be an influence for God, for good, excuse me, we must, listen carefully, we must be willing, discerning, and available to engage in others' chaos. You're getting ready to move into the holiday season. There's probably no other season that probably speaks of chaos more than what happens in these next two months. We are running everywhere. And not only are we running everywhere, we're running into people everywhere. And then we're running into family everywhere. And some of us are going, oh, good grief. We get to have Christmas again with Uncle Joe. And if you're Uncle Joe, shame on you. We, we look at these things and it's chaos. Or we look at people's life choices and we see nothing but chaos. It may be in a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife. Maybe there's a person at work whose life is just so flipped on its head. It's just a mess. And the only way you can describe it is it's chaos. It could be because of their history. It could be because of certain things that have happened. Who knows? But the question is, are we willing, are we willing, to, get, are we willing to get in the middle of their chaos so that we can influence for good? Are we? Paul did. Paul did. But you see, he didn't do it in the power of his own strength or in the wisdom that he possessed alone. No, it was in the strength and in the power of Jesus Christ who lives within him and who lives within you. When we engage in other people's chaos, it's not just in our own strength or wisdom. No, we need to get in their business and say, what? Yeah, get in their business, but get in their business in a godly way, and you will influence for good. But that requires us to be aware and willing. You see, the needs of human beings do not change with the passing years, nor does the power of Jesus Christ to affect change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. How do we influence for good? Well, we get involved in the chaos, engage in others' gifts. Third, is the influence for good remains God-focused amid difficulties. Remains God-focused among, among, amid difficulties. Acts chapter 16. This is a little longer passage, so hang with me, all right? But it's a great story. Ready? Here we go. When her owners realized, this is back to the woman, when her owners realized her hope for making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged him into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews who are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. 
And then they had been, after they had been severely flogged and thrown into prison, the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received their orders, these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet, feet in the stocks. <clears throat> About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. <clears throat> the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and tr fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out <clears throat> and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then, this, then they spoke the word of the Lord of, to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour, the light, that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And when he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. It's just, I love that story. How can you not love that story? It is such a great, great image. There is a phrase that keeps popping up in our study of Acts, and it's this phrase, that no good deed goes unpunished. It's just amazing. In fact, that, the origin of that phrase goes all the way back probably to about the 14th century. It can even be traced back in some respects all the way to the book of Job. Because, you know, here's Job. Job's a good dude, and everything in the world collapses around him. He's just, it's a mess. No good deed goes unpunished. It even showed up in a song called No Good Deed, in the Broadway musical, Wicked. So it's just everywhere. It's everywhere. But you look at this, and you think, what in the world? What in the world? I, what, it's interesting as I look at this, is that here you see this girl who has been delivered from just incredible oppression. But what happened was, her owners said, we've just lost the, we've lost the money train right here. And so they accused Paul and Silas, and they beat them, and they, they did just awful things to them. And in the midst of all of that, they end up in prison, in jail, in jail. But out of this, there are four things, very quickly, four things. I'm going to go through them very quickly. Four things that when difficulties come, and if you're not already aware of this, difficulties will come in your life. Do I get a weak amen on that one? They're going to come. But how, how do we, even in the midst of difficulties, how do we influence for good? How do we do that? Because they're going to come. How do we do that? Okay, first, we do so in worship. We do it in worship. Stocks. What are stocks? Look at these two pictures of stocks. They are not the stocks and bonds that you buy. These are... That is not a comfortable position to sit after you've been beaten with rods. Think about it. How much fun is that? Is that? There's no fun connected to that at all. But what did Paul and Silas do? They worshipped with their feet and their hands in stocks. To add to that, it was midnight. Instead of sleeping, groaning, moaning, whining, they were singing. I don't know what they were singing. Since it's Reformation Day, maybe they were singing, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know what they were singing, but they were worshiping. And you know, it's important to understand something. There was an earthquake when they began to worship. Now, here's the deal. The earthquake was natural, but the timing was supernatural. 
It was not something that was coincidental that it happened right at that moment. God responded to their worship. And I will tell you, God will respond to yours. I, I, I couldn't resist, but I have to share this song with you. No, I'm not going to sing it. I have, over the years, sung this song many times, but I'm not going to do it. And you can't persuade me otherwise. So there. When you're up against a struggle that shadows all your dreams, and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes, it feels as if the world around you would, the urge within you to submit to earthly fears. Don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear, but praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. Listen to this. For the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they fall powerless behind you when you praise the Lord. Let it be so. Worship. The second thing is in compassion. You influence for good in worship, but you also influence good for good in compassion. Paul and Silas responded to the warden. This is a Roman, this is a Roman soldier. Most likely he is a retired soldier who is now in charge of this prison. And when the earthquake happened and all of the stocks broke and the chains fell off, the doors flew open, he said, I'm as good as dead. That was the punishment if prisoners escaped. And Paul screams and says, don't do it, we're all here. Now remember, this is a guy that's in charge of his incarceration. He could have said, hey, you're going to get what you deserve, dude. Okay? We, have been, we have been punished unjustly, and you're contributing to that unjust. He could have done that, but he didn't, did he? He said, no, don't do it. Don't do it. We are all here. I love that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets are persecuted in the same way. You're the light of the world in the same way. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We, we, in, the, in the midst of difficulties, in worship and in compassion, we can influence for good. The third is in messaging. And let me, here's what I mean in messaging. Even in the most extreme of conditions, Paul's message never changed. Here's was his message. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Having been beaten in the middle of the night, an earthquake, all kinds of difficulties are going on. What does Paul say? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. What incredible influence that when the worst of the worst is happening or has happened, we continue to share the message of life. And understand something. Difficulties are going to come your way. In your life, it may be more intense than in mine. Or vice versa. That's not the point. But what's your message? The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed is the name of the Lord. The message stays the same. That is the influence. It's when we change our tune and change our, our, our message that people go, man, I don't know what you stand for. On the one, on one moment you're doing this and the next moment you I don't get it. No. Remain consistent in messaging. Lastly, in actions. In actions. John Maxwell former pastor in San Diego and leadership guy, big time. He said years ago, leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. And I would add, I would just add this 
through his phrase. If you think you're, it's familiar, if you think you're leading and no one is following, you're just taking a walk. If you're leading and no one's following, you're just taking a walk. Now, here's what I mean. I believe Paul's influence had made its mark. Why? Because when Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, then what happens? This guy, his family, and his entire household is saved. So he comes to faith, and his entire household comes to faith through the influence of Paul and now the jailer. And what, is, what is this jailer doing? The jailer is binding up their wounds beyond midnight. He gets baptized in the middle of the night. He didn't wait for a nice day at the beach. Right? I mean, this is influence by actions. Colossians chapter 3. You are the people of God. He loved you and chose you for his own. Listen to this. So then, you must clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. How are your actions? Because it's your actions that will influence for good. So in worship, in compassion, in messaging, and in actions, are you influencing for good? And finally, influence for good leaves a legacy for the future, for future generations. Acts chapter 16, verse 35. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent off their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. <laughs> the jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, eh, they beat us publicly without a trial. Even though we're Roman citizens. And they threw us into prison. And now they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates. And when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens... They were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them out of the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them, and then they left. This is somewhat humorous as you read this story. But let's not miss the larger point here. Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, and they were not to be treated as they were treated. But do you notice that when they were taken and beaten, they didn't say a word about their Roman citizenship? which would have immediately stopped what happened. But they endured it, and through all of that, great things have now happened. You see, what's so important, actually, well, here's just remember this, Acts 16, verse 20. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews, they're throwing our city into uproar, but advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept. The crowd joined in the attacking as Paul and Silas. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. They had accused them of unlawfully. And this public apology, hear this, this public apology is going to do something more than just giving Paul and Silas and the traveling companions a nice pat on the back and an I'm sorry. No, it is going to legitimize the church in Philippi once and for all. That will now exist for generations. The legacy that Paul and Silas are leaving is something that is powerful. And I would suggest this morning, and I'll go farther than to suggest, I will say it, emphatically your legacy can exist for generations as we make the right decisions as a parent you have a responsibility but you also have an opportunity to leave a legacy in the lives of the most precious gifts that have ever been given your children how are you doing with that how are you doing with that with your grandparents same thing my role now as a grandparent 
is different amongst my grandchildren. I do the best I can to influence them for good. But my desire is that generations after I'm gone, that what I've left will remain. Not whatever the physical, whatever that is, whatever that's fine. But that which is truly important, the spiritual side of life. Paul did that. 1 Timothy 4, listen to this carefully. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example. And as the young, the old, whatever, but that was to Timothy. And he was in this, by the way, he was here in Philippi with Paul. Okay? That's why I chose this. Timothy was there. He saw what went on in Philippi. He, he was a witness to everything. And Paul then would light, write him later and say, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all the believers in the way you live, your love, your faith, and your purity. Don't think for a moment that your life and legacy are unimportant, non-existent, or so minor, or so minor that no one would ever miss your contribution of faith and life to those you know and have an opportunity. Some of you, well, all of you, I think at this point still remember this man, Billy Graham, right? His memory is going to fade, okay? Because every person's memory fades at some point. The collective memory goes on to somebody else. Billy Graham died three years ago, age 99. Incredible man of faith. But I don't know if you know the backstory to Billy Graham's conversion. Let me just, the 16-year-old boy who, very kind of a gangly, kind of a gangly 16-year-old, okay? But his story actually begins with a name, with a man by the name of Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball, I never heard of Edward Kimball. But Edward Kimball was a, he, he, he taught young boys in Sunday school. That's what he did. That was, his, that was his role. He taught young boys. Back in the 19th century. There was one young boy that he could not control. He said, this guy was everywhere. He said, and in fact, the, the writer of this particular story said, he says, for him, for Edward Kimball, it was like herding cats. And we all kind of know that phrase of what it's like. It's just crazy. You can't. He could not control this little guy, but finally, finally God got a hold of this little guy. His name was Dwight. He had a middle initial, by the name, but L, Dwight L. Moody. Moody became one of the great men of faith in the 19th century, preached on multiple continents, and thousands, tens of thousands came to faith because of Moody. Now, but it goes on. One of the individuals who was influenced by Moody was a guy by the name of Wilbur Chapman. Wilbur Chapman was a great speaker, great orator, and he traveled all around the country preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Tens of thousands of people came to faith under his ministry. And there was another young man who was connected to Wilbur Chapman. His name was Billy Sunday. He was a professional baseball player who gave up the baseball career to begin to preach in Chapman's absence when Chapman took a church. And then one night there was another individual who came to faith. His name was Mordecai Ham. And Mordecai Ham was a pretty flamboyant guy. One night, a young man who was there to see what was going on came into a Mordecai Ham service, and his name was Billy Graham. Billy Graham gave his life to Christ that night. Hear me. Billy Graham died three years ago. In 2008, in 2008, it was estimated that Billy Graham had preached by way of radio, television, and in person 
to 2.2 billion people around the world. The legacy of Edward Kimball. Generations beyond, when Kimball thought he was doing nothing but hurting a bunch of boys around a classroom, probably frustrated when he went home. How in the world am I ever going to get through to him? Well, I want to tell you, God got through to Dwight L. Moody, and from that point on, everything changed. And you're in the same place today. Do not minimize what God can do through you for generations to come. Do not minimize the opportunities that God places in your pathway. God can use you in extraordinary ways. If you're going to live, Maya Angelou said, leave a legacy. Make a mark on the world. It cannot be erased. Amen. Are you influencing for the good? Making the most of opportunities? Engaging the chaos of others? Staying God-focused no matter what the difficulties are? leaving a legacy. One of the coolest parts of this story in Acts chapter 16 is this. Three different individuals come to faith. A, a very prominent businesswoman. Okay? And a very prominent businesswoman. A young girl who has no identity and no hope. A slave without any future. And a middle class guy who's working in a prison. What does it tell me? Oh, oh by the way, they're all from different locations. Lydia was an Asian. Uh, this young slave girl was a Greek. And the, and the uh, soldier was a Roman. Diversity of backgrounds, diversity of needs, diversity of, you know, of, uh, of location. What it tells me is one thing. This. To each one, the message was the same. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. No matter what you bring to the table, no matter what your background is, no matter what your need might be, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And that's where influence for good begins. You say, but Gary, what about this? That's where influence for good I'm not talking about being a, somebody that's very philanthropic. Those are great things. But the good that is gooder than all comes when we come to faith in Christ. That's when it begins. Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that in these next few moments you do something special. Only you can do it. We ask in Jesus.